1: Greetings, and welcome to What Happened to That Guy, a Ravens podcast about former players and life after football. I'm your host, John Eisenberg. As the Ravens head coach in the early 2000s, Brian Billick always wanted to make sure he had his finger on the pulse of the locker room. So after the 2004 season, he took a week and flew around the country on Steve Bishotti's private plane to visit with several team leaders. I know, nice work if you can get it, right? When he flew to Dallas... To meet with Dion Sanders, Dion arranged for him to be picked up in a limo. The limo took Billick to Sanders' mansion, a suburban enclave in a gated community. After they visited for a few hours, Sanders' limo took Billick back to the airport. He flew on to Las Vegas, where Jonathan Ogden, the all-pro offensive tackle and future Hall of Famer, lived during the offseason. Ogden picked him up at the airport, but rather than go back to the house to discuss the Ravens, The two guys hit the Vegas Strip. I mean, why wouldn't you? They wound up at a fancy restaurant, eating steaks at midnight as they chatted about the Ravens. Billick then got back on Bishotti's plane and flew to Oklahoma to see Kelly Gregg, the squatty nose tackle, who manned the middle of the Ravens' defensive line for nearly a decade. I'll let Billick tell the story from here. And apologies, he does curse as he recreates his get-together with Gregg.
0: I fly into, I think, Oklahoma City, and he picks me up in a beat-up, his original F-150. I mean, it was a piece of shit. <laughs> and we went to IHOP, which was classic Kelly, you know, and sat there for three hours.
1: Wait, you went where? I'm sorry? To IHOP. Oh, IHop. okay.
0: Yeah, he picked me up in his beat-up old shitty truck, and we went to IHOP and, and sat in talked for three hours. So, but that was Kelly Gregg.
1: Greg came to the Ravens from his native Oklahoma, and he's back there now in retirement happily married for more than two decades, a father to three growing boys who surely get fed at IHOP now and then. When we spoke by phone for this podcast, Greg was riding out a violent thunderstorm in the cab of his truck, possibly the same truck he used when Billick visited all those years ago. I asked him if he kept up with his former teammates.
2: You bet. I'm on a, you know, obviously, especially defensive line, I thought DeWan Edwards, Jared Johnson, Justin Bennett, Trevor Price, uh, once in a blue moon, I have too many uh, adult beverages, and I'll, I'll shoot all those guys' attacks, over No more reminisce.
1: Fans love Greg like few players who've worn the Ravens' uniform. It was just a perfect fit. Like Baltimore, Greg was an undersized underdog without airs or pretension. Spent a season on the practice squad before getting a chance to play. Never expected anything. Knew he'd have to work extra hard to keep whatever he got. And as much as the fans loved him, his teammates loved him more. He was a sawed-off former high school wrestling champion who loved to line up and hit people and also loved the give-and-take of locker room banter. Before and after practice, he'd waddle through the carpeted locker room with a big grin on his round face, zinging his teammates with good-natured barbs and cackling when they zinged him back. He was the first to tell you he wasn't real complicated. Growing up in Edmond, Outside Oklahoma City, he liked to play football and wrestle and hunt and fish, and he hadn't really changed. He was genuine country, as they say. His former D-line sidekick, Trevor Price, told me Greg was just about the funniest guy he'd ever met.
2: We always had uh, you a know, great time in the locker room, playing pranks on guys, you know, giving guys a hard time. We always said... You know, skin like an armadillo. And, you know, we always just had a great time. And, you know, luckily I was, you know, hung around a little bit. And, you know, we always just had fun. Uh, you know, all those guys. Trevor had a great personality. And that's one thing, you know, you looked at the guys and the Ravens, the way they, you know, sort of went about selecting their guys. They, you know, they picked good guys that really love football. You know, and that's one thing. And love being a part of the team. And that's one thing I always cherish, just, you know, laughing and conversations with the teammates.
1: The defensive line is a rich source of Ravens history with coordinators like Marvin Lewis and Rex Ryan and position coaches like the late Clarence Brooks coaching one-of-a-kind characters like Tony Saragusa, Sam Adams, Price, Michael McCrary, Haloti Nada. Kelly Gregg is a fundamental piece of that history.
2: We had some great guys come through there. You know, it started off with Sam and Goose and Rob Burnett and those guys, you know, Harbaugh, Billick. You know, they'd always, you know, they'd let us have a good time if we worked our tails off. And that's one thing they always did. And we had some great guys. Bannon, oh, we just had personality, had personality. Uh, Duan it's just, you know, all those guys. Bill could come around, we'd always say, fire, fire, Inferno. But yeah, we always, you know, we always, say even when Marvin was there, you know, we always had fun. Cause we knew we were going to go out there and try to, you know, shut people down and get after people. And, you know, why not have a lot of fun while you're kicking butt?
1: To understand where Kelly Gregg is now, at age 42, you have to go back years because there's a progression in his life that makes sense. Growing up, he was a policeman's son with that stubby body and really no designs on a long NFL career. He played at Oklahoma, but believe it or not, the Sooners weren't very good when he was there. Then he was a sixth-round NFL draft pick in 1999, and he got cut twice before he landed in Baltimore where he spent his first year, 2000, on the practice squad.
0: I remember coming out practice first time, Kelly, in the stretch. And I see this, like you say, this short fireplug guy. I'm thinking, okay, who, which coach is doing somebody a favor here? I mean, who, who, who is this kid? You know, this kid, he, he certainly
1: doesn't look like a pro player. With a body and a background like that, Greg recognized that his football career was liable to end any day. So he had no choice but to start planning for life after the game. He
0: was very, very focused on, I uh, more than anybody know this thing can disappear quickly for any number of reasons. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save my money and, and make sure that I take care of my family and whatever time I have in the NFL. It's
2: crazy how some guys blow their money and stuff. Because, you know, guys think they're going to make it forever. And, you know, you got to think about tomorrow for sure you know my dad was a police officer so i thought you know even when i was growing up going through college i thought about uh you know i wanted to go into law enforcement or something like that and you know i didn't know you know when i first got in the league i thought i'd just be there for breakfast and gone by lunch so i always had that in the back of my mind that would sort of be my fallback you know and then i thought you know how long i would play that i might go into it but lucky enough i was uh you know able to play long enough and save my money so I said, no, I don't want to to work a full day, so I'll just relax and that's about it, really.
1: (laughs) Did you hear that? Lucky enough, he said. Typical Kelly Gregg. There was nothing lucky about it. He worked hard to make the leap from the practice squad to the roster to the starting lineup in Baltimore.
0: The thing that, that immediately with Kelly, it was whatever you needed. Because I used to run the scout squad on both offense and defense. It was your, my way of kind of keeping in touch with all the players and touching all the players on a daily basis. And no matter, I can be on the opposite. I need a guard. Boom! Yep, Kelly jumped right in. I need a fullback. Ah, Kelly's standing right there. I need a quarterback. No, Kelly, you cannot play quarterback. Okay, I'm not going to let you do that. But whatever you needed, he was just going to work everybody. I'm going to do whatever they want me to do. And then you you began to see again his unique skills, that strength, that power, that burst, that leverage. He's impossible to block just because he was so small that's so powerful and he understood leverage because he was a wrestler and the players loved it you know because he just was the, the
1: anti-player in terms of, of what he looked like. Greg never made the Pro Bowl but he was good really good a strong and active force in the middle of some truly stellar defensive lines.
0: Vic to the line on first and ten. Falcons have it at there 32. Two receivers right high formation. Play action Vic under pressure. Kelly Gregg wraps him up and oh. takes him down with a sack at the 20 yard line. Kelly Gregg, mono a mono, and puts Michael Vic down. Vic slow to his feet, probably out of disbelief that a guy built like Kelly Gregg could sack a guy built like Michael Vic.
1: Good things happen to good players. And when Gregg signed a nice contract extension with the Ravens in 2007, it altered the course of the rest of his life. He no longer had to follow his father into police work once his playing days were over. Now he had a nice nest egg, a cushion, which meant he had options and could be more selective. So he didn't mind when the end came a few years later.
2: You know, I'd have played for half of what they paid I me. Mean, I just loved playing. I loved being out there. But, uh, you know, I'd say that last one or two years, especially that last year, something turned off. Like, I, you know, I fell out of love without their grinding and being physical and stuff. You know, obviously, I was getting old and worn out. But, you know, I used to practice being physical and stuff, and now, you know, my kids playing. I hear a big hit, and my bones start aching and cracking again. I don't miss playing one bit, but I miss drinking beers and hanging out with the guys and, you know, joking around in the locker room. I look back, you know, at times, and the great memories that I had with teammates of not making plays, just being together, laughing, fishing together. I miss that, but no, I don't miss out there, you know, grinding. I tried to play. They pull me up like a lawn chair and stick me under the table. Like I said, I haven't missed it one bit.
1: These days, Greg isn't exactly a Mister Mom, but he has three boys: Wyatt, Ryder, and Maddox, ages 15, 14, and 11, and he drives them to school every morning and picks them up later. He made enough money in football that he doesn't have to spend his days toiling away in an office, but he does work. His post-football career is in, wait for it, Sports Talk Radio.
2: Kelly Gregg has cracked open his Red Bull. I've poured my tapo chico, and we are ready for a Friday of fun. And Kelly, unfortunately... Fast Friday, fast Friday. Let's go fast. No mistakes. We're not out here long. Let's go. And unfortunately, you're going to see me tomorrow, because we're going to be family leisure. That's right, doing our pregame. We're doing it again. OU seasons, so you know what's going to happen. The franchise is going to fire up, and you're going to have a full day of coverage.
1: Yep. Greg is the co-host of a weekday afternoon show on Oklahoma City's biggest all-sports station. For two hours a day, he's on live radio talking about Oklahoma and Oklahoma State football and basketball, pro football, college football, and of course, his hometown team, the NBA's Oklahoma City Thunder. He also works weekends in the fall. As part of the pregame show on Oklahoma football radio broadcasts,
2: you know I did it just for something to do. You know, it gets me out of the house, and it, you know it's important to me. My kids, you know, you still see me go to work and stuff. But yeah, two hours a day, it's for me, and it's good too. I get to go down and do OU pregames and stuff. Sort of, sort of, you know, I get my fill of football that way. Is, you know, running my fat mouth every once in a while on the radio, and then you know, obviously game days are fun.
1: So. How long did it take you, you were done with football, how long did it take you to get going in radio? I mean, did you get into it right away, or did you sort of look around?
2: Oh no, it was just, it was sort of out of happenstance. They had called me, it's 107.7 here in Oklahoma City. They had called me to see if I wanted to be on the radio, and I was like, you know, five, ten minutes? And they said, no, would you like to come in and, you know, interview for a job? And, you know, it's like talking sports in a sports bar. You know, I'd be doing the same thing if I wasn't on the radio. So why not get paid a little bit, and, you know, give me a job, and act like I'm, you know, talking sports in the bar.
1: So you interact with the people a lot. and Oh,
2: you bet. And I love it, too, because for some reason, there's a bunch of Steelers fans down here, and I just get on there, and I I bash <laughs> Pittsburgh and the players and stuff, and they hate it. So it's, you know, a little competitive juice is going. I love bashing.
1: What in the world are the bunch of Steelers fans <laughs> in Oklahoma City? I got no
2: idea. <laughs> I got no idea. I think all the crazies have left Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's, I get a kick out of it too, so no, it's, it's all in good fun. There's quite a few skewer fans here in Oklahoma.
1: Are your persona on air—are you? I mean, it's not a persona; it's just you, right? Yeah,
2: you yeah, it's just just me. And you know, I get a lot of people get on me too—the grammar police. I'm always mispronunciating and you know stuff like that. Me and school were never the best of friends. So no, I just like to have a good time and talk sport. But it's a lot harder though talking on the radio. You know, you know, back in the day, I thought I'd be easy, but. Easier playing than talking on the radio for sure.
1: Really, you think that?
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, me watching basketball is sort of fish out of water, but no, I try my best. But yeah, they don't turn in to hear me talk basketball. I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, but you have to in that town, right? I mean, that's your team.
2: Oh, well, for sure. You know, I enjoy. It. I go to a couple of games here and there, but yeah, it's a, you get a lot of preparation just for two hours.
1: The good news is his schedule leaves him plenty of time to watch his boys play football, which no surprise. They all do.
2: I'm at a lot of games, and I get a kick out of it. You know, they're yeah, having fun. And, you know, it's it's crazy, though. It seems like more of these Little League games are sometimes more intense in than NFL, which is crazy. It's a serious deal these days. You know, back when I played high school at Little League, we just played for fun. Now everything is so uh, serious.
1: So it seems different?
2: It does. Yeah, it does. I coached you know, Little League. You know, I helped out a little bit. But I, I see them parents, and you know, they're like, "Well, what do you think?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's going to be great. You know, it's going to be good." And they're like, "No, about college." And I'm like, "I think we should worry about fifth grade over, you know, college football right now." It's just, uh, you know, sometimes it gets a little crazy.
1: I had to ask: Are his boys stubby interior linemen like their dad was? Has Kelly Gregg produced more Kelly Greggs?
2: My two older boys, Wyatt and Ryder. Built like me, short and squatty. You know, I'm lucky I didn't have a girl. She'd be built like me. But uh, my two older boys are linemen, and then my my uh, little guy—he's a little—he's got a little athlete in him.
1: <laughs> uh, well, you had some athlete in you, but a different kind of athlete. You're saying so he might be a little faster or a little uh, more. Yeah, a...
2: he, he's a faster, taller. He's a, hes a wide. You know, he plays tight end, little stand-up wide receiver. But nah, You know, as long as they have fun, let the kid's follow where You know, you know, it can't be that bad.
1: So he's talking sports on the radio in his hometown and watching his boys grow up and play football. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And wait, it gets even better. Greg also owns a farm, a 320-acre spread, about 15 minutes from his house, farther out in the country. It's his happy place.
2: It's got a cabin out there, and I got four horses, uh, four pigs. I've had it for about uh, I don't know eight years now. I got it when I first retired. I bought it from a a, a golfer, uh, Bob Twain. He won a PGA yeah. one time, but he had it. I have always had hunted out there before in the past, and that's one thing. I you know I'd hunted when I played a little bit, but uh, you know I got done. It, you know that's one of my hobbies. I'm not a big killer. I probably I've killed like four deer in my life, but I always enjoy chasing them. I'm always out there hunting or fishing or trying to grow feed plots. I wanna live out there but my wife won't let me. Uh we're always out there or you know, it's a good getaway. I think that's the most important thing when guys uh you know, when they get done playing, some of these guys in the past they don't know what to do, you know? Or they have no hobbies. And that's one thing that I look forward to, uh, you know, retiring or quitting, uh that way I can fish and hunt more. I got a big pond out there, four wheelers, horses for my kids. Yeah, I got a uh, little Jeep and I'm always on my tractor out there messing around. So I'm a, I'm a weekend warrior. I'm all hat, no cattle. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. So are you, you're not growing anything?
2: Uh, I try to drink sweet peas, Milo for deer. And uh, I love, you know, wild pigs, uh, but uh, I'm not a very, I don't have a very good green thumb. You know, my wife says, when I said, I'm going out there to ride the tractor, that means I'm going out there to have a few adult beverages and sit by the pond. <laughs>
1: So it's funny, isn't it? I mean, how people's memories are short. How many people remember you as Kelly Gregg, the NFL player, OU, Ravens, Sunday night football against yes. the Steelers? And, you know, how much do you hear it these days?
2: You know, sometimes, you know, more now, it's just usually people look at me like, man, you look like a football player. I say, oh, a long time ago. But, yeah, you don't get recognized near as much as when you were playing, you. You know, every once in a while, even when I was up there playing, you know, people didn't know I was a football player because I wasn't the tallest guy. So, You know, it's never been one of those deals where, oh, you know, I like to be, you know, recognized this or that. A lot of people just think, man, you look like a football player. Do you ever be a football player?
1: It's humbling, isn't it?
2: You bet, yeah. But, you know, it's all part of the process. It was a great ride. Every day I wake up and I feel very blessed and lucky and, you know, it's been a good ride so far.
1: Kelly Gregg ranks high on Brian Billick's list of all-time favorite players he ever coached, anywhere. Another story Billick shared with me helps explain why. In 2007, during what turned out to be his final season as the Ravens head coach, the team was going south, and rumors about Billick's job security were starting to swirl. Then one day he heard a knock on his office door. Gregg was standing in the doorway.
0: You know it's NFL and you don't know where things are going. Uh, when you're losing and you're used to winning, and the locker room's unhappy, and you know all the things that go with it. And so Kelly comes up to my office, and uh, which is, was unique. i go, oh, geez, okay, well, what's going on, Kelly? He goes, Coach, uh, I just want to know um, who who do I need to take out, <laughs> or like who do you want, who do you want me to eliminate, like who do you want me to hit? <laughs> and I'm going, Kelly, I'm okay, I'm good. I appreciate, I appreciate that. Because obviously he just wanted to be very loyal and, and could see things going a certain way and, and wanted to be helpful. Typical so Kelly Gregg. What do you need for me to do? I always, always appreciated that.
1: He went back and forth between fiery and funny. But one thing that never changed was he had his teammates' backs. And they had his because, oh, did he love to rumble. Talk about the ultimate foxhole guy the one you'd want to go to war with. Even though he's fine now with being a former player, done with the game, he does miss some things about being in the NFL. Getting down and dirty with the Steelers, for instance.
2: I always enjoyed playing the Steelers because it was just, you knew it, It you know, take no prisoners, let it all hang out. You know, you're looking, trying to get guys like Hines. I'll never forget, you know, he hit Ed, Ed one time, and we were all trying to look him up and, uh, you know, playing there a lot. Alan Fanica, Jeff Harding, those guys, you know, that's one thing that, you know, I miss. You know, I, I said I didn't miss playing football, but I miss, you know, getting in there with those guys and trying to mix it up. Because it was like a fight, and, you know, it was, uh, you know, because it was usually for the you know, AFC North title, and, uh, you know, especially twice a year. But, yeah, I miss those days with those guys for sure.
1: Have you ever run into Fanica and those guys? I mean, do you know them at all, you know, after the fact here?
2: No, yeah, I saw he got all skinny. I heard I, he's running marathons now. I probably can't catch him, but if I catch him, I get him back now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a great uh, sports memory for you.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I'm looking right now at a muddy, sandy field. And I hated Heinz because you never get footing. You know, every time I see a big mud hole, I think, oh, there's Heinz Field. Or something. <laughs>
1: And you wonder why Ravens fans loved him so much, and surely still do? More than a decade after his last game in purple, he is still making fun of the Steelers, still carrying the Ravens banner on the radio, still recalling with great fondness how much fun he had in Baltimore. In fact, after we talked about how so many of his former D-line mates were characters and then moved on to another subject, Greg halted the conversation to point out that we'd forgotten to talk about... The greatest character of them all, Terrell Suggs.
2: Yo, Sugg was the main guy. He was always, he was always the guy giving guys a hard time. What a great guy, too. Great teammate. I'll never forget. I, I he'd always sit in front of me on the uh, on the plane, and I'd always have to, you know, I'd get my, my headphones. And I'd try to tie him up or something. You know, it was like a ritual before every game. I was giving him a hard time. So, yeah, those are the little things you miss. So, oh, Terrell Suggs, go t him. Had a house down the street from mine. I lived in Jamal Lewis's old house, so I'd always go over there and knock on Terrell's door and mess with him a little bit.
1: Greg loves telling football war stories, but when he tells them now to his sons, who are growing up fast, they roll their eyes.
2: You know, every once in a while, you know, I'll say, hey, remember when I used to do that, and they always look at me like, oh, here comes an old man story or something. <laughs> they give me a hard time. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, I'm like Al Bundy now, Al Bundy now. I have like, I got stories. <laughs>
1: That's it from Kelly Gregg, former Ravens D lineman and no doubt, just a regular guy. You can find out more about his career at BaltimoreRavens.com slash what happened to that guy. I'd like to thank him for speaking to me. Another episode of What Happened to That Guy will drop in two weeks and they'll keep coming every other week for the rest of the 2020 season. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Be sure and tell your Ravens friends about it. This podcast is part of the Baltimore Ravens podcast network, which also includes the lounge hosted by Ryan Mink and Garrett Downing and new this year black in the NFL hosted by my colleague Clifton Brown, wherever you get your podcast, just search for the Baltimore Ravens podcast network and everything will come up. It's all good stuff. This is John Eisenberg. I'll talk to you in two weeks.